Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Voices of Amnesty podcast. I'm Matthew. And I'm Hasmeen. Let's talk about mental health. A warning to all viewers. The following podcast contains disturbing themes such as anxiety, eating disorders, depression, suicide, bullying and harassment. If you want to avoid this content, please check out our previous podcasts or keep an eye out for upcoming ones. In our last episode, two of our hosts discussed mental health amongst youth. In this episode, we'll continue the theme of mental health, talking about the current of mental health issues amongst minority groups and how they can be disproportionately affected by COVID-19 and the climate crisis and how that relates all relates to the mental health crisis. We'll also discuss the steps that have been taken and the actions that we need to still make to combat these issues. Today, we're going to focus on Indigenous people, transgender people and the Muslim community. But we should certainly mention that many other minority groups can face similar issues and actions should be taken to assist all minority groups. So firstly, Indigenous people. Ever since settlement, the treatment of Indigenous people has been sickening. And that's an understatement. They were killed, tortured, pulled from their families and treated as treated as if they're inhuman. And that is just to name some of the things that happened to them. The, the, the effects of these actions are still felt today, just as racism still occurs today. Consequentially, the mental health statistics surrounding Indigenous people are saddening. Almost two thirds, i.e. 65% of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have had a long-term health condition, including 29% of these who reported a diagnosed health condition of which 25% are males and 34% are females. The impact of past toll on generations and ongoing removal of children puts a lot of mental pressure on people, especially when government departments just follow procedures. And this leads to a lot of unresolved trauma. And this specific trauma is a huge factor in Aboriginal health and an agent for many health conditions. So how has COVID-19 affected mental health among Indigenous people? As you may have experienced yourself, access to health services has been challenged in recent times. Health services are obviously essential to everybody, no matter who you identify as. Prior to the pandemic, Indigenous people already faced health disadvantages and, in and inequitable access to health care. Since the pandemic, face-to-face -face health consultations has decreased by 22.1%, and that is in addition to the challenges before it ever started. In a discussion from the Medical Journal of Australia, a representative of the Aboriginal community cited their culture's emphasis on face-to-face -face connection. They talked about how mental, online mental health services, while they're obviously important and very effective for lots of people, obviously in the COVID-19 situation and how we have to abide to social distancing guidelines, this can, however, be really tough for them in particular who value this face-to-face -face connection in their day-to-day lives. So how has climate change affected mental health amongst Indigenous people? Climate change has also affected Indigenous people. I would like to mention that 84,000 Indigenous people were living in bushfire-affected land last year. That is over 5% of those directly impacted, while Indigenous people make up 2.3% of Australia's population. So this isn't just a threat to mental health, but it can be a threat to actual life which is something we, we will unfortunately continue to see unless real action is taken against climate change. Obviously, displacement can really be a struggle for anyone, and this ought to have a mental health impact on Indigenous people, disproportionately to other Australians. 
So as we like talk about how Indigenous people have had suffered mental health conditions for many years, like what can like particularly we do and like what, what are the steps that we can take to improve like the statistic at, or at least decrease the number of mental health cases that we see? Like what, what steps can we take? Well, so far we've seen, uh, we've seen action taken so far and obviously there are further steps to be made. Um, as of now, uh, there has been a lot of conversation about Indigenous people within schools, which is something that I've experienced personally. Uh, yep. For example, in my own experience, uh, we've gone through, well, we've uh, participated in Reconciliation Week. Uh, at the beginning of every assembly, there's always an acknowledgement of country. So we're certainly acknowledging Indigenous people's existence and the role that they played in Australia's history. So uh, in future, um, what I believe uh, the government could continue to fund mental health programs uh, targeting uh, Indigenous people. Um, is there anything that you believe uh, should be taken? Any action that you believe should be taken? No, especially in the COVID-19 pandemic, like many Aboriginal communities in outback and rural Australia have been exposed to the virus because vaccines are not targeted towards them. And um, the government has like made many, many mistakes in terms of um, exposing these people to this very deadly disease, especially with the new Delta strain. And it'll be very disturbing to see how this affects Aboriginal people. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about transgender people. So in 2021, transgender Australians continue to be affected by mental health issues disproportionately, unfortunately. Transgender people are people whose gender identity or expression differs, differs from their birth sex. Some transgender individuals who desire medical treatment to transition from one physical sex to another is identified as transsexual. Some of the statistics from transgender people is really disturbing and shocking to hear. Research suggests that transgender individuals are four times more likely than cisgender people to have a mental health condition. In the United States, 39% of transgender people reported psychological distress in comparison to the 5% of all Americans. 40% had attempted suicide. The, the 2019 Trevor Project suggests more than half of transgender and non-binary youth have seriously considered suicide. This is awful, this is horrible, and this is not okay. Before looking into this, I was aware that transgender people had a much higher rate of mental health problems, but I had no idea about these statistics, and unfortunately, I don't believe many other people do either. So how has COVID-19 affected mental health among transgender people as well? Basically, for the transgender community, lack of health services has also been a big impact from COVID-19, in particular, the lack of access to gender-affirming medical care. Non-emergency surgeries and interventions have been postponed, and this can really affect people who are struggling without these services. Not only medical care, but also name-changing has been postponed as well. This can be particularly challenging for those who are dependent on the legal system to facilitate living their affirmed identity. So we've seen some of these statistics related to the homelessness rates uh, amongst transgender people. Um, a study cited by the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare found that 31% of homeless people experienced a mental health problem. So they're clearly linked. Of these, half had a mental health problem before they were homeless and the remainder developed mental health problems following homelessness. This is obviously shocking to hear. And there are many steps that we need to take uh, to 
Uh, and there are many steps that we need to take to promote the welfare of transgender people. Hasnain, are there any steps that you'd like to see taken? Yeah, I think generally we need to be firstly more aware of these statistics because obviously, as I as you mentioned before, these statistics are obviously not really known in the general community, which firstly needs to be done. And then, and then I think we need to take action um, on this issue. Um, yeah, totally. Um, and if you compare um like the types of conversation we see around indigenous issues is great now because we see lots of people talking about it uh i don't think that's there for transgender issues i rarely hear about transgender issues in my own school and i think it would be great if we could see these types of conversations had uh, amongst youth and amongst older generation yeah definitely and for those listeners who are listening right now, we have we had had a more in-depth podcast about the LGBTQI people. We recommend that you check that out for more information. So just like any other minority group, Muslims have also been affected by the mental health issues that are present in Australia, which, which closely make up 3% of the population. If you didn't know already, Muslims are a group of people who follow the religion of Islam, which is another Abrahamic religion alongside Christianity and Judaism. Unfortunately, Muslims have been subject to damaging stereotypes and false associations with terrorism in general and radical approaches to religion. This, as a result, leads to severe mental health issues for countless other people. Muslim adolescents reported higher psychological distress levels, i.e. 38% when compared to normal Australian adolescents. Specifically, Muslim adolescents reported higher emotional symptoms, i.e. 47%, 33% reported conduct problems, 31% of these have had hyperactivity, and almost half of these, or 49% of these, have had peer problems, which is kind of obvious because I don't think there are many uh, Muslim high schools in Australia, and so um, being in a public school would obviously encourage these sorts of problems as Muslims are a minority. So thank you for Hasnain for offering to talk about his own experience. So Hasnain. Are there any particular stereotypes that you've had to deal with in your everyday life? Uh, yes, definitely. And arguably the most common stereotype that I see, if not the most common, is if Muslims actually support violence and terrorism. Now, before I say anything, I'm going to say that's definitely false. And with full confidence, I can say that Muslims do not support violence or terrorism in any way, like how the media represents it. And in, just to prove it, um, the Quran even states that permission given to fight in self-defense was not only granted to defend Muslims themselves, but also to defend Christians, Jews, and people from all faiths and from acts of terror like those committed by ISIS today. So, and this is a really common issue that we've seen occur, especially after the 9-11 attacks, um, which obviously were really devastating for um, the Muslim community in general, as there was severe, if not like dominant discrimination um, directed towards them. And so we need to, and this is the main route for Islamophobia in many countries as well. And if you, and if you have, don't know, France um, just recently, I think they banned burqa, which is obviously a really um, disturbing uh, new rule that has been brought to place. Uh, which definitely should not happen. And so 
we should definitely advocate to um, have that uh, rule revert to how it was before. So now another huge stereotype that I face, um, speaking of the burqa, is that Islam oppresses women. Now, this is also definitely false, as the oppression of women in Islam and inequality towards them is generally not permitted. And not to mention in the Quran, as part of its strongest teachings include respecting and caring for women, widows, and the poor. Now, this current publicization of Muslims oppressing women in countries like Saudi Arabia, Qatar, UAE, Oman, um, mainly uh, Middle Eastern countries, and some even some African countries, um, these are all mainly due to cultural issues and radical ideologies that are possessed by governments. And if you haven't heard already, um, only just recently, Afghanistan has um, taken over, oh, wait, sorry, the Taliban has taken over Afghanistan. And so this is particularly bad news for women as um, women who are aged 15 and above and are not married um, are obviously forced to marry the Taliban leaders. And so we'll have more in depth on this uh, in a later, in the next episode. So back to you, Matthew. Thank you. Has COVID-19 impacted you or your loved ones in any certain way due to your beliefs and culture? Perhaps certain restrictions have stopped you from doing faith-related activities? Definitely, definitely. And probably the most common um, celebration that has been, you know, um, cancelled because of restrictions is Eid. And so if you didn't know Eid, well, there's two types of Eid. There's Eid al-Fitr and Eid al-Adha. So Eid al-Fitr is the... Um, is a celebration at the end of the holy month of Ramadan. And so it's when uh, Muslims gather for Eid prayers and they, go, they visit each other's households and fa hold family gatherings. And much is the same for Eid al-Adha, except it occurs in the other holy month of Dhul-Hijjah. And so this is when um, the sacrifice of, the, of a goat or cow is made. Um, as per um, religious beliefs. And much like Eid al-Fitr, you also visit family, family, friends, um, hold household gatherings. Now, given the fact that COVID-19 came back into Sydney again, um, last year it affected Eid al-Fitr a lot. And, and now this year it affected Eid al-Hadda because we had the strongest lockdown that we've ever seen. And Practically, we're banned from going to each other's houses and practically going anywhere beyond five kilometers, which is a new rule that's been instated by the government recently. Um, and yeah, uh, it's been really difficult for us. And, you know, we've, it's been really difficult to uh, celebrate Eid during this difficult time. And so, you know, it's, I think all Muslims can relate to this, definitely. So yeah, to conclude, I'd like to emphasize that keeping this conversation going around these issues and the impact they're having is so important. Talking about something is the first step in making change. And as we've discussed, these big problems like COVID-19 and climate change aren't just affecting us physically, but mentally as well. Make sure to look after yourselves. And if you need to seek help, you can always reach out to Kids Helpline on the website or via phone at 1-800-55-1800 or Beyond Blue on their website or via phone at 1-300-224-636. Most of these statistics that you heard today came from minus 18 youth, indigenous.gov.au, the Australian Human Rights Commission and Columbia University.
Next week, Voices of Amnesty will be discussing the tragic situation in Afghanistan, so stay tuned for that. Follow our podcast on Spotify, Voices of Amnesty, of course, and also follow our Instagram, which is also at Voices of Amnesty. Thank you very much. Thank you.